Hey guys, Pastor Matt Chandler here. Uh, one of the themes that comes out in The Overcomers over and over and over again is the centrality of God's word to encourage and build up his saints. It's why I love uh, Dwell Bible app. It's an app for listening. Uh, I, I kind of use it in the margins of my day. I like to listen to, depending on my mood, uh, Mark or Felix throw on some ambient music and then in my truck or in my study or uh, in a few minutes between this meeting going into that, soak again in the word of God. Uh, they, they've given us kind of an awesome deal here for a yearly subscription. If you go to dwellbible.com backslash overcomers, they're giving us 25% off an annual subscription. So if you're looking for more Bible in your life, in the margins of your life, not just kind of traditionally listening, but listening while you work, listening while you drive. I couldn't recommend the Dwell Bible app more highly. standing there, the nurse tells me, once you take this pill, you can't go back. And so I'm standing there holding it in my hand, staring at my boyfriend's mom, shaking. And she's like, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. And I popped it in my mouth and I did it. And I called my twin sister and I told her, I said, Megan, I just, I'm in the process of having an abortion having to relive that every day, the reminder of what I had done. At that moment, I thought, God hates me for what I did, so I'm being punished. Hey, Pastor Matt Chandler here, back with an episode of The Overcomers. Just to remind you, the, the hope behind Overcomers is to just lay before you uh, an everyday man or woman who has endured through a season of either great difficulty, sorrow, or loss. And so, no blue checks, no clean bows at the end. And, and I'm certainly, although I believe this happens often, no miraculous moment from the Holy Spirit, some silver bullet moment that takes away the journey, but rather an honest dialogue uh, about the highs and lows of life and Christ's sustaining grace through some of the more heartbreaking things imaginable. And so I've got Emma with me today. Uh, I've known Emma for quite some time now. She was on staff at the Village for a, a while. And, and just as we were praying right before we recorded, just she is a bright light, like her face shines, she smiles, she um, she has a presence about her that puts people at ease, a joy that she's been marked by, a natural spirit of gratitude uh, that she walks in. One of my favorite people uh, recently transitioned off our staff uh, to go home and be with her two little babies. So she's living that stay-at-home mom life right now. Um, but man, this picture of joy and gladness and gratitude and brightness, that I don't, it certainly wasn't always the case. And so Emma, um, t talk to us a little bit about growing up and um, kind of get, get us to the point where we can um, start talking about walking through um, r really the abortion and um, life in Christ after the abortion and how to navigate those spaces. So, so get, us, get us there. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, 
well, first, I'm really thankful to be here. I'm honored to share just a little bit of my story um, and what God has done. Growing up, no, I was not always this joyful um, light that you uh, say that I give off. In fact, I was really the opposite. Um, I think a lot of that came from in high school. My parents went through a really hard divorce. And my response um, in that was a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of brokenness. Um, and I just felt really alone. That divorce was really hard. Um, my family system was fractured in every way you could imagine. And so I am going into high school full of all these different hormones and questions about who I am, my identity, what it means to grow into being a woman was really uh, marred by that. And I I struggled. And I found a lot of my identity in uh, the guy I was dating. I was friends with a crowd that was walking through similar things where parents weren't really around. They they were gone all the time or they maybe felt abandoned themselves. And so we were partying a lot, living a pretty ratchet life, uh, shoplifting, <laughs> doing things I shouldn't be doing. Um, and was, yeah, dating a guy in high school that, I mean, he was my everything. He became my sole source of love, affection that I was seeking from my family. And um, I gave him all of me. Uh, we were sleeping together in those years. We probably dated, I think it was about three and a half years on and off. And he he graduated before me. And so my senior year of high school, uh, I was thinking about it. It was really about this time, almost 15 years ago. Wow. It was March, April of uh, 2009. And uh, yeah, I mean, I got pregnant. He was off in the military. He was coming back on leave and we would sleep together and party and have a good time. And I got pregnant unexpectedly. And uh, I had just uh, realized that I was, you know, I'm pregnant and I had just gotten accepted to the University of Arizona as a cheerleader and saw that future for myself. And I saw that fading away really quickly. And this pregnancy at the time was really inconvenient for me. And that's just the honest truth. Uh, it was inconvenient, and it was not the path that I wanted to go on. Um, I wasn't a Christian at the time. I didn't know that God had a wonderful plan for my life. I thought that he was ruining my life by giving me this baby and that I was being punished for other things. That was, you know, my view of him sure. at the time as an 18-year-old. And um, I kept it hidden. I didn't tell— um, my family, that I was pregnant. I didn't tell my twin sister until after the abortion had already started. So, Tell me, did you did you end up telling your boyfriend? Yeah, so he was in Afghanistan at the time okay. when I found out I was pregnant. And so I didn't end up telling him. Um, in the series of events, his mom found out okay. through my friend's mom. And she was the person, um, as I reflect back, that was God's grace to me. You know, I, I really do believe that when we were walking— in sin, and we're about to go down a really dark path that God gives us a, a way out, a glimmer of hope and grace. And she was that. She really tried to convince me not to lovingly have the abortion. Yeah. But he, when I when I told him, and we eventually talked on the phone uh, the day I was going to go to the clinic, uh, he, he said he didn't want to support me in having the baby. I was questioning. Okay. Yeah, I, I was not confident in my decision when it came down to it. I knew it was wrong. And my last— Stitch effort was to ask him if he would stand by my side and raise this baby with me. And I thought he was the love of my life at the time. So he said he he couldn't do that. And I get it now. Uh, he was really fearful as well and was just a kid himself. Yeah. But at the time, that was heartbreaking. And I couldn't imagine raising a baby on my own. So you said 
you you knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. So any any faith background at at all? Like where where do you get? Like you you say you know it's wrong. Where does I know it's wrong yeah. come from? Is there just a sense that you know it's wrong, or was there? Did you guys go to church a couple times a year? Did you like what? Where did that come from? Yeah. I know this is wrong. Yeah. So I did I did grow up going to church occasionally. My parents were not believers, but my dad would take us to church every now and then. And so I did have a little bit of a faith background. They did, by God's grace, send us to a Christian school until I was in third grade. Okay. So I knew the Bible. I believed in God. Um, I knew what Jesus did on the cross. Um, but as I—we left that school in third grade and went to a public school, and then my life sort of unraveled. So my my faith was very shaky. Sure. Um, I'd say I was—I had a moral knowledge of what okay. was right and wrong okay. at the time. You're 18. Mm-hmm. Your, your man's in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. But doesn't seem like you got really anywhere to go to talk about this now. Um, yeah. Mom and dad, life's kind of falling apart for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're, it'd be really hard for them to be um, a safe place. Since, and then didn't feel like you could talk with your sister about it either. Is she yeah. on this kind of same line you're on right now? Like, is she out partying with you? Is Like, are you kind of the two cute cheerleader girls that are— <laughs> You know, the queens of the party scene. Is that what's happening? Or is your uh, sister yeah. a, a bit different than in how she's doing life? Right. Yeah. So at the time, she was out partying with me, but she wasn't drinking. She was sort. She was kind of my DD. She watched out for me. Okay. Um, she was, at the time, I'd say, was living a more moral life. Okay. She wasn't believing in Jesus at the time when we were in high school. But she was, yeah, she wasn't sleeping around. She wasn't partying. She was— doing more right things, I would say. Okay. Um, so I had a lot of shame and fear in telling her, even though we we're very close, I was just so ashamed that I was pregnant. Sure. And I had never even told her I'd slept with my boyfriend. So there was that, although she probably knew. Um, I was just so appalled at myself. I couldn't handle telling her and seeing the look on her face. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you're you're 18. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows except you've got this one woman that's trying to go, "Hey, don't do this." Yeah. You've got your boyfriend now that's like, "I can't. I'm I can't support you." Yeah. I'm I'm not down to raise this baby with you. So you you make the decision. I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. Where where do you go? Yeah. Like so, you're in your car, you're by yourself. Where where do yeah. you go? Yeah, I was by myself. Um I drove to Planned Parenthood. I was in Phoenix at the time, so I drove to one in Phoenix and I went there and it was very scary for me. I had never been in a Planned Parenthood clinic before, and there was other women there, and I had no idea what to expect. And as I sat there, I became very afraid and very nervous and didn't think that I could do it alone. So I called my boyfriend's mom, and she came down to be with me. And all the way through the process, um, I asked to see the ultrasound, even though they they told me it's not a law there that you have to see it um, as it is here in Texas. Yeah. So they were shocked I wanted to, but it's because I knew it was a life. Yeah. I knew. I never doubted that at any time. So I knew the gravity of what I was doing, and it was terrible. And so I heard the heartbeat. I was about eight weeks along, and um, my boyfriend's mom— was still lovingly trying to tell me she would be there for me. She, I didn't have to do this. I wasn't alone. And I couldn't as a—not only was I in this crisis, unexpected pregnancy, but I just found out that maybe my boyfriend doesn't really love me yeah. the way that I thought he did. And maybe he—like, maybe I'm just—I lo- lost him. Yeah. And 
I've been in this relationship that hasn't been legit. Like, he's not going to be there for me. So I was devastated, and I, yeah, I decided to go through with it. It was a medical abortion. So okay. you take take two pills, one at the clinic and one 24 hours later. Okay. And you, you've you shared that, that part of your story here yeah. at the church. I would love to get into some of that. Yeah. So you, you take that first pill. Yeah. Then you get in your car, and you just head back to your apartment. Are you living with your sister at the time? Are you in a dorm? Are you still just home? Yeah, so I, I'm in the clinic. I'm standing there. The nurse tells me, once you take this pill, you can't go back. Okay. And so I'm standing there holding it in my hand, staring at my boyfriend's mom, shaking, going back and forth. And she's like, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. And I popped it in my mouth, and I did it. And I got in the car. And we were driving separately because she had met me there, and we went to lunch. And on my way to lunch, I called my twin sister, and I told her. I said, Megan, I just, I just had, I'm in the process of having an abortion. And meanwhile, like, we're very close. So getting away from her to go to this appointment, I mean, I had to do, like, ninja skills. My my other friend knew, and so she knew something was up. Um, I told her, and she said, I thought so. Are you Okay. And I said, no, I'm not really okay. And she met me with so much love and grace and said, I'm going to be here for you. So I go to lunch with my boyfriend's mom. We go and get the supplies that we're told we needed because I knew I was on the verge to be bleeding a lot. And so then I go back to her house. And that's actually where the loss happened, where I lost my baby. And so I was at her house for days. I don't even remember how long, but it was, I think, maybe a week. And my parents never even questioned it. (laughs) They didn't even know where I was. Well, that in and of itself is kind of heartbreaking Yeah, that the, the family dynamics in such a place that like, yeah. you can go missing for four days mm-hmm. and you're not missing. Yeah. So, um, so you, 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 the loss of the child happens there yeah. and there were some complications to yeah. the, the pills. They, they there weren't was. as clean and as easy as uh, you had been told. One of my biggest fears was that I would bleed a lot and I had no idea what to expect. And, you know, the nurses and the counselors, if you'd call them that at the clinic, said, oh, no, no, you're going to be bleeding oh, for a couple weeks. It won't be that bad. It's like a light period. You, it, you'll you barely really feel it any differently than a period. And I thought, okay, I believe you. I don't have anything else to call it. Yeah. And it was not like that at all. Um, it was... It was, I've had a miscarriage since this, and it was like that. And so I just want to say that to any women listening that may be affected by that, uh, by this, what I'm about to share. But it was, it was terrible. The cramping was terrible. So bad I passed out. Um, I, I bled daily at a very extreme amount for about three months and I would call the on-call doctor like they told me to, and they'd say, hmm, I'm sure it's normal. It wasn't normal. Yeah. Um, that wasn't okay. And, yeah, it, it wasn't okay that no one really knew what, what I was going through, and I still kept it a secret, and I was on the toilet for hours, not exaggerating, just profusely yeah. bleeding. And um, for three months. And so I, in that moment thought I'm being punished for what I did and 
having to relive that every day, the reminder of what I had done was truly a suffering and a terrible experience that I would never want anyone to go through. And um, I thought that's, that's, at that moment, I thought God hates me for what I did, so I'm being punished. Yeah. And... And are you praying at all in any of this, like in your loose kind of I, understanding yes. of who God is? Are you? Yeah. What, what are your prayers like? My prayers. Yeah. I know you're. You're <laughs> saying, look, I I thought God was angry. He hates me. Yeah. That's why this. Are you having a conversation yeah. with God in in this three month period where it just yeah. feels like you might not make it out? I, I I truly thought I I may not make it out, and that I would maybe bleed forever is what I thought. And yeah, I was praying. The moment I took the pills. I asked for God's forgiveness from the very loose knowledge of who I knew of God. Sure. I said, God, please forgive me. And in my mind, at this point of my faith, I thought, God sees my circumstances, so surely he'll understand. Yeah. Surely he'll understand why I chose this decision. He knows my family. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what just happened to me. He saw my heart get broken. Um, That was my view of him. Yeah. And so— I was like, oh yeah, he'll he'll get it. But then when I actually had the abortion and experienced the pain and the shame and the guilt and the regret and all of the things that were so terrible from my decision, um, I I thought differently. I thought he hates me. Yeah. And I was praying to him all the time, God, please, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry. And so it it, I bled all the way up until three months. And at that three-month mark, I was about to start pre-camp for cheer at U of A. And I'm at some teammate's house, sleeping on the floor. And I'm praying, God, please, please let the bleeding be done. Because we're about to work out at 6 a.m. I'm about to be thrown in the air by some guys. And this would come on, this bleeding would come on out of nowhere and just yeah. one stop. So I was like, please don't let this happen while I'm stunting or being tumbling or something. So I was praying, please let it stop. And I started bleeding. I'm on the toilet and and it's 3 a.m. I have to wake up at 5. Pre-camp starts at 6 and I'm bleeding for an hour and a half until about 4.30. And I cry out to the Lord, God, if you can hear me, please forgive me and please stop this bleeding. I beg you, please, please, please forgive me. Please stop this bleeding. And I did. That was the last time that I, I bled from, from the abortion. You, you, you stopped bleeding now. You're mm-hmm. on the other side yeah. of the physical parts mm-hmm. of this. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about like, like your heart, mind, soul, spirit stuff on the back end between the abortion and then your maybe your sister's conversion or yeah. um, your sister beginning to share the gospel with you. Yeah. So I go into college a hot mess thinking, okay, this is going to be behind me, but it really wasn't. It haunted me every day, all the time. And my I was in a very dark place. Um, I ended up developing an, an eating disorder as a way to sort of take this pain away, I would starve myself so I'd feel pain in a different way. Okay. And so I did that. I was in a very toxic relationship um, because I thought I was worth nothing. Um, and I I just hid it. I never wanted anyone to know 
this about me because then they would think differently of me and they would judge me. And I really cared what people thought about me at the time. So I never wanted anyone to know. So it was like carrying around cinder blocks around my ankles. And I was never known all through college, which was very lonely. One of the one of the ways we're able to bring these stories to you is by partnering with organizations that I've grown to trust and appreciate and love over the last couple of years. Uh, Dwell, the Dwell Bible app, if you followed my ministry, you know I've mentioned it before. It's just one of my favorite tools, like in my own devotional life, my own study life, uh, to find more ways um, to hear the Word of God, to absorb the Word of God, to have the Word of God top of mind for me. Uh, and so I've used it devotionally. Uh, I've used it in regards to just, uh, I'm, I'm currently studying the book of Daniel. And so all day today, I've had the, the Daniel read by Mark with ambient music in the background playing on my phone in my truck uh, as I, you know, uh, walked outside a little bit earlier this morning, just finding ways um, to have the Word of God um, absorbing into my system. And, and the, the design, the, the beauty of the app, uh, the various kinds of music that can play under, uh, the accents that can go to. There are so many aspects of the app that could serve to stir your affections for Jesus, depending on preference and desire. Dwell is offering listeners of The Overcomers 25% off a yearly subscription. All you have to do is visit dwellbible.com backslash overcomers, or you can click the link in the show notes to receive the discount. Hey, this episode of The Overcomers has been sponsored by the Acts 29 Church Planning Network with an invitation to our 2024 Next Conference here in April in Dallas, Texas. I'm gonna be speaking alongside of a a stellar lineup. You're like, you're not gonna wanna miss it. Uh, We've got Brian Loritz and Sam Alberry, John Piper, and more. Uh, And the hope of the next conference is really what we're trying to do is equip and encourage you as church planters and church leaders, really regardless of the type of church or type of ministry that you're in. And I would love to see you there. To learn more about this and to register for Next, you can just go to acts29.com backslash next. And if you're an Overcomer listener, you're going to have a a special discount, like $20 off registration if you use the code OVERCOMERS. And so you can apply this discount to the early bird prices before December 31st or the regular rates that start in 2024. That's axe29.com slash next. Look forward to seeing you there. So let me ask, on the outside, though, because mm-hmm. this is kind of for free, not not really a part of the, but just as a way to frame maybe how we see the world. Yeah. On, on the outside, you're a cheerleader yeah. at Arizona. You're in the party scene. Mm-hmm. My, my guess is every way we would look at you in that season, you look like you're having a blast. Oh, yeah. You look like like something to be emulated. Oh, yeah. uh, somewhat, you know, life like that in the fast yeah. lane. For but, sure. But what you're saying is internally, though, you're, you're actually oh, I was dying. A, I was dying. Yeah. I was dying. Yeah. I mean, I, on the outside, oh, I performed. Sure. I performed like no one would ever know. I graduated summa cum laude 4.0. I was captain of the cheer team my senior year. I wanted everyone to look up to me. 
I want it. And meanwhile, as a cheerleader, you really do have to look perfect and be really good at what you do and look a certain way. And so that was what I presented to the world. No one would have known. Yeah. No one other than my twin sister. Sure. She saw me in our dorm room in the dark night weeping. Yeah. Telling her, I will never be forgiven. I can never forgive myself. I hate myself. I was having suicidal thoughts. I mean, she was in that with me, that space with me, through it all. And so when my sophomore year came around, um, there was a a girl that made the team who was a Christian, and she was the only Christian on the team. And I was really drawn to her. She was nothing like me. And so she became friends with, with my twin sister and I. And, I mean, yeah, she had this light about her and this freedom the way that she carried herself sure. that I really desired. Um, and eventually she led my twin sister to the Lord um, through ministry at school. And then by my senior year, I could see something was happening inside of me that I didn't have the words at the time, but it was God moving towards sure. me <laughs> and uh, the Holy Spirit moving in my life. But I started to not want to do the things I was doing anymore. Um, I started to realize, why am I this way? I really don't like the person I am. I don't think this is God created me to be. And so my twin sister got saved, and she radically transformed her life, everything about her. And she came from the same broken background that I did. And so I was like, how can you be this joyful? I was so miserable, Matt. I mean, seriously, I was the person that was really blunt, really hard to approach with the gospel, would shove it back in your face and say, F you, no, don't talk to me. So I was not an easy person to approach um, about these things. But, you know, the way that Megan lived her life, God just started to move in my heart and soften it. And uh, my senior year, she shared the gospel with me. And I asked her, could this thing you have with God be offered to someone like me? Um, And the fact that God used her, the only person that knew really who I am and that I what I was wrestling with in those really this really dark valley um was really God's kindness to me. I love that. Yeah. So how how long is the conversation around the gospel between you and your sister before the Holy Spirit kind of opens your heart to yeah. believe and to see Jesus for who he is and you become a believer? Is that two conversations? Is that a year's worth of conversations? Like talk talk about that I know you're you're starting to lose interest in the things of the world. You're starting to I don't like my life, and here's your twin sister, powerfully transformed by the gospel, who's starting to share that with you. Um, but but talk about that. Like how long is that happening? Yeah. Um, before Christ comes alive in you. Yeah. So she she got saved my my junior year of college, and so about a year goes by of me witnessing her life transformation in my heart starting to become curious about what it is that happened to her. Yeah. And I that took about a year. And my my senior year, right after graduation, I, I pick her up from the airport. She'd been at a camp, a Christian camp for athletes, and I, that's when I asked her that question. So we're in the car driving, and I say, is what you have could be offered to someone like me? That conversation was probably four hours long. Okay. So— we get home. I sit in her room, and I'm just asking her questions. She's telling me 
I mean, she's a, a baby believer on fire for Jesus. Just share me what she knows, you know. Come on. These Bible verses and telling me who God is. She talks to me about, she said, do you, do you believe Jesus died on the cross? I said, yeah, I believe Jesus died on the cross. No, do you believe he died for you? And I was like, well, no, I don't believe that. And so she really pressed me with great, curious questions like, why not? Why wouldn't your sin be covered? And I really, at the time, struggled thinking that my sin was too much. But then why would Jesus have to die Yeah. if he didn't cover that for me? So she just, I mean, that conversation was beautiful. And I remember asking her, like, what is the catch? Because there's no way that Jesus would die just for nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Like, I can't give him anything. And she said, no, you can't give him anything. It's just grace. And it's because he loves you and he wants to be in a relationship with you. And that moment is what opened up my eyes to the heart of the Lord. That in my darkest moment, Jesus died for me and he took it for me. And so I, at that time, you know, she did such a great job of not giving me a false sense of salvation, but said, why don't you pray to God tonight? And if there's any part of that that you don't believe, you ask him to help you believe. And so I did that night, and I confessed my faith in Jesus that night in my room. And the next day was totally different. I just started—I broke up with my boyfriend, and I left and um, started going to church. And it was a gradual going from my head to my heart belief that I was forgiven. Sure. I believed it was true. But actually letting that sit in and understanding the weight of that, what Jesus took from me, the shame— that took a while. That took um, probably about six months okay. of di- being discipled at my church okay. and hearing hearing the Word of God. How does—now, does the abortion follow you into this new life in Christ in ways that, um, man, that maybe surprised you or shocked mm-hmm. you or affected how you in related either to God or others? Did it— did it come with you, or mm-hmm. was it really one of those things like that? It I, I did it, and then I was saved, and then I, I moved on, and it was over. Or yeah, it stuck with me. It it definitely and has continued to. When I gave my life to Jesus and I started to read the Bible and understand, in, in one way, it's followed me in a really beautiful way because I was faced so up front with the depth of my sin, doing something that I never thought I would ever do, ever, that I was capable of, being face-to-face with that, and then living in God's grace and mercy, that has followed me in a really beautiful way and grown me in my faith of who God is. And as as I went on this journey as a believer, um, obviously this is a controversial topic, and so it followed me. There was a lot of times that dinners with conversations with other believers where it gets brought up at the table or non-believers. And I'm sitting there still holding on to the shame of it. When I continue to walk in my faith, the shame stayed with me for a while. I couldn't really escape it. I still was afraid that if people really knew, especially Christians, that they wouldn't—I don't know what I was afraid of. I just thought they would judge me or that maybe I wouldn't be welcome. Or that they would be mad yeah. and angry. And, yeah. And maybe, in, in all honesty, absolutely, maybe they would yeah, be. Yeah. Maybe they would be. And so I was like, I can't tell them. And then I'm at tables, sitting at dinner tables with 
family members and friends and new Christian friends, and it gets brought up as a topic of conversation, and I just keep my mouth shut. And the shame at that time would just heap on. Like, oh, gosh, I know I, I know Jesus knows this. I've brought it to him, but I can't bring it to the church. I can't bring it to other believers, especially because it's such a hot topic. Yeah. And at the time, to be honest, it wasn't met with an invitation to grace. Sure. It was kind of like heaping shame sure. types of conversations. So was the shame, two questions or two two thoughts. One, was the, the shame kind of— um, did did it come at you in waves in that like you're 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 following after the Lord the best you know how as an, as a young believer and then all of a sudden you find yourself at a table where um, this topic's being discussed either theologically or philosophically but not really with a person in mind or view right. um, and and so talk a little bit about like is the shame persistent is it is it just coming in waves and then the second thing is how was that shame then. Um, affecting your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with others in mm-hmm. that season, as you, you know, you're being squeezed by shame. Everybody, when they feel shame, they they go someplace for comfort. They right. they turn to something else that to to try to help them manage that. Talk a little bit about those two things. One, the the consistency of the shame, and and then really how it was affecting your relationship with the Lord and maybe your relationship with others. The consistency of the shame. Um, I think was subtly ongoing. And then there would be those waves that yeah. would increase it. And I would question, um, question whether or not these tables were safe places. Yeah. And I wouldn't question God's view of me, um, but I did, it did affect my walk with the Lord because I really wasn't walking in freedom. Yeah. I was still living under shame and condemnation. I wasn't operating in the truth that the Bible tells us. There is no shame and condemnation. Yeah. I was still afraid. And so that affected, I think, me bringing my full self to the Lord, really, and allowing Him to heal and take away that shame, still walking through that. Yeah. There are still moments of feeling shame. And so that, I don't know if that answers your question, but that was, it, it was always ongoing. And then these these ocean waves of more shame would heap it on, and then I would live under it again. Yeah. So I was never really free from it. Yeah. So kind of a low-grade agitation, if you yeah. will, kind of a low-grade persistent hum. Yes. That occasionally got louder. The volume would get louder. Yeah. And to, to give you an example, I mean, there was—I was single at this time um, of my life, and so I would—I always thought—there was always this thought as I was trying to be in godly relationships and, you know, date guys that were pursuing the Lord. There was always this thought, this thought— this is going to be a deal breaker. Yeah. And that's shame. That's mm-hmm. me saying, and it could be a deal breaker. Yeah. That's okay. But it was a fear. I, I couldn't really bring my full self or tell them because then they wouldn't they wouldn't want to be with me. And so I would hide it and or I wouldn't really tell it until I felt safe. Sure. And there was times even when I felt safe that I shared it and it was met with, I don't think I can be with you. Yeah. And that continued. I could just continue. It was confirming these, okay, yeah, this is too much. I'm too much. This is never going to be a, a safe a safe thing or I'm never really going to be fully loved because I did this. And then um, from there, when, when did it, because one of the things that's been fun for me to watch is um, this 
this poignant moment of shame in your life has been used by the Lord in some pretty profound ways. Mm-hmm. E- even as you, even per what you said just a couple of moments ago, that shame will still mm-hmm. kick itself up, you know, occasionally here. And and I think that our church is a place that has, I mean, is full of grace across the yes. spectrum and celebrates the grace that that Christ has lavished upon all of us. And and yet that shame still persists. Mm-hmm. But it's been fun to watch, even in you know your own journey through this, which you're still in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to watch you get married, have some kids, mm-hmm. um, you suffer a, a loss, a, a miscarriage, heartbreaking, um, and and then to connect with women who have either a similar background or they've never told anybody in their lives yeah. um, has been a pretty profound thing to watch. I, I would love, would you talk a little bit about specifically the miscarriage? We didn't talk about this yeah. before, so if yeah. you if this is, feel free yeah, to be like, uh, but how how powerful was the shame in the moment where you have the miscarriage any real wrestle with the lord in that moment about that being tied back to the abortion or further punishment or was any of that there where you had you grown in your faith where you you knew no that's not that's not like the lord yeah at at that point i had grown knowing that this wasn't a punishment from what okay. i had done um but the loss was so familiar it was such a familiar loss because loss is loss. Yeah. And I had lost a baby before. So it was traumatic it in was, that way. It was traumatic in that way. Um, and it was, I was, I knew where to go though. Yeah. I went to the Lord. There were so many dark nights that I vividly remember of the Lord and this vision I would have of being in this dark storm so alone and the Lord's arms wrapped around me. And I, that's just where I stayed yeah. through the miscarriage. Um, I knew where to go. Yeah. I knew that he was for me. Um, and I knew that that child was with him. And so I'm I'm really grateful for that with him. So talk a little bit. Here, here's what I would love. Like right now, somebody's mm-hmm. listening to this. Some young woman is. Some mm-hmm. young man is. Some older. Yeah, I don't know. They're walking their dog. They're at the gym. They're in their car. And, and maybe they're resonating with your story. Maybe uh, unlike you, they, they've never told anyone. Yeah. That this is something they've been carrying. Maybe they're my age now, not your age, my age. Um, and they've got something like that back there. And they're still in that place where you, you've described like, if anyone were to know this about me, yeah. um, that I would be rejected, I'd be put out, I wouldn't be loved, I wouldn't. And what, what would you say to someone who maybe even right now mm-hmm. um, is fighting the urge to turn this off? Um, because there's so much about what you're describing that's familiar to them. So, mm-hmm. so what would you say to them, stuck in the the secrecy of something that the shame of it has really shaped their whole lives at this point to this point? Because um, they're going to hide this and nobody gets to know it. And but how would you encourage them mm-hmm. um, to maybe consider uh, the beauty of Jesus's invitation to come into yeah. the light and come into His presence? Yeah, um, man. I would say that God has more for you and that it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And to be fully known and fully loved, that's where Jesus is. That's what he invites us to in a relationship with him. And to really experience that is to bring your stuff out into the light and to really be met with grace. And I know that there will be moments where you might be met with condemnation because of what this topic is and how hot this topic is, but that's not from the Lord. Yeah, The Lord moves towards us in our shame. 
And he says, give it to me. You don't have to bear this anymore. And he wants more for us. He wants us to actually walk in full freedom in who he created us to be. He wants that. And so that's my, that's my encouragement. I mean, I experienced, it was about a decade after my abortion before I really started to press in. And the question I was asked when I started that process was from a woman, Marla, discipling me in Michigan. And she's just lovely. And I was processing with her. She was one another safe person I was processing my faith with and, yeah. and my abortion. And she asked me, because I was I was wanting I felt this press to start to share my story. Yeah. And here we are today. But at the time <laughs> I really didn't know what that looked like. And so I felt this press from the Lord, like, share, share who I am. Use this for my glory. And so I but I was still walking in shame. I was like, well, what if, you know, what do I do? Yeah. And she asked me, Have you ever grieved the loss? And I looked at her like, You are crazy. How would I grieve a loss of a baby that I killed? How do I do that? I don't have time for that. And there's no place for that. And I looked at her in the moment like, no, I've never grieved the loss. The end. Goodbye. I don't have time for that. I didn't even have a category for that, Matt. That had never even been something I thought I could do. And then I got hired here at the village and I met with Mari. Mm -hmm. And I barely knew her. And this was me starting to bring my stuff into the light. Right away. When I moved here, I said, I'm not going to live in any shame. And I told Mari right away um, this part of my story. And she asked me, I'm not getting the same question. Have you ever grieved? Have you ever grieved the loss? And I thought, well, that has to be from the Lord. So maybe I should ask myself if I'm ready. And so I prayed about it. And she introduced me to Amber Dion, who leads our Grace Abound study here. And at that point, I, I didn't know what that looked like. I was really afraid. I was really afraid to grieve. I didn't know what that meant. And I was really scared of what that meant for me, for any of it, for my faith. And the Lord met me. And I did grieve. And I did work through it. And it it that study, the curriculum is just so beautiful. And I have the privilege of now co-facilitating it with Amber, yeah. with some other women. And it's just been, it's been so beautiful. So what does that look like to grieve? I mean, you've got yeah. the shame that you're carrying. You're you're moving through it. You're not mm-hmm. trying to do spiritual bypass. Right. You're not like you're you're leaning in. Yeah. And so, what does it look like to grieve um, yeah. a baby that that had been aborted? I mean, 10, 11, yeah. 12 years previous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the curriculum we go through um, is "Forgiven and Set Free" by Linda Cochran, and it really takes you through the grief cycle, specifically focused on abortion, and. You're exactly right. You face it head on because you cannot grieve what you have not faced. And so I, it takes you through. You face what you've done. And that's why the beauty of the gospel and the grace of Jesus is so powerful. And so it really, that's where it is. It's you are, you are facing what you've done. You are reading scripture. You are going through anger. You're going through, um, all of these, this process of who are you still angry with? Let's pray about that. Let's let's work that through. You angry with yourself? Um, let's talk about where your baby was developmental wise, and face what you've done. Yeah. And then go to the Lord, and lament. And at the very end of this process, which terrified me, you have a memorial for your baby. Okay. In some ways, I was like, 
I can't do that. Yeah. I can't do that. I did this. Yes, I did this. And this is who God is. Yeah. This is what God invites you to. Freedom. Yeah. It's funny to me that people have a hard time holding those two truths yeah. together at, at the same so time. Yeah. No, it is. It's so hard. Yeah. So that was a that was a huge turning for, point for me. Um and the woman that I went through it with, we were both terrified. I remember looking at her like, oh, we have to go through memorial to name our baby and have a memorial for them. Yeah. But that actually was a turning point for me. Um, because I it's acknowledging what you've done and what the Lord's done. Yeah. And where they are and that yeah. they are with the Lord. And so that was um a, a huge thing for me, and I know that that sounds scary for anyone. Maybe that has <laughs> – you're like, no, thanks. Um, but, I mean, I never thought ever that I would be sharing my story. Yeah. And I know that the only reason I'm able to is because I've actually healed. Yeah. That the Lord has healed me, and that was a big pivotal moment for me of healing. That. So, like, if you're listening to the podcast right now, and I don't know how this is hitting you, this is a – uh, you know, I'd rather you just be in the room with us if, mm-hmm. if this is hitting you in a kind of way that's traumatic or stirring up deep, deep feelings of shame and guilt. And I, I want to highlight just a couple of things uh, Emma said. I, I want to get your mind around a full decade of this. Yeah. So it, it hasn't been neat or pretty or, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think she's even sh- shared as we've talked, like every now and then this kind of bubbles up a little bit, but she's got categories and tools and language and there's an invitation happening here as you listen to this um, to step into the light. And a couple of things I would I would highlight. One, I would encourage you to find a community of grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand the fear that, that you might have, and that fear could be well-founded. You could literally let some real immature Christians in on this that would handle it in a poor way. And so finding a community of grace is really important. And I think Finding, seeking out recovery ministries are helpful or churches that are well-known for being um, oriented around the grace of God and friendly towards those who either are struggling or have struggled or at least an understanding of sanctification that's a lifelong journey home. Um, So find that. I don't want you to listen to this and then just go confess to somebody who— who could hurt you and who could not receive you with the grace that Jesus has for you. So find a community of grace. And then, um, man, I, I there's something about that grieving um, and letting yourself grieve and staring into, yeah, I did do this. And it really was evil and dark. And and God's grace is more. It, it's, it's where where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. Like that, to push into that truth and to receive it from the Lord is, I think, pretty profound. But I don't want... If you're listening today, I just don't, I know how the enemy works and I know he would love to drive you further away in this moment. And, you know, one of the themes of this whole podcast, this this whole, all these episodes is the only way through is through. There's not a way to go around or underneath or over. The only way through is through. And you can choose to just continue to bury this in the deep parts of your soul. But but Emma, she, she's doing the work, you know, after a decade, before she's married, before she has children, before the more we bury these things, the more we get them deeply woven into kind of the fabric of who we are, um, the more residual effects begin to show up and how we relate to men and how we relate to our kids and how we relate to God starts to become deeply twisted. And, and so I don't know how long 
you've been hanging on to this, how long you you have just felt like the Lord hates you because you, you did this. But I want to encourage you that the whole story of the Bible is God pulling from the farthest reaches, like from the fringes, those who would become the, the brightest lights in his kingdom. And so I just want you to hear me. Jesus knew what he was buying on the cross. Like you're, you, you have not outsinned his grace. You have not made, you have not committed the unforgivable sin. Uh, and so I would encourage you, turn your face back towards the Lord. Don't try to live a duplicitous Christian life where you're putting on the um, me and Jesus are good. You know, you've got, you know, Philippians 4.13 in your Instagram bio, but you're just being eaten up with guilt and shame. I, I want to encourage you, find a community of grace, step into the light, let this be known, let the Lord heal you in those places. You will find him moving towards you and not from you. And so, Emma, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, always love spending time with you. We miss your face around here. Um, <laughs> I but I know, you. listen, I know you got to obey the Lord, don't you? That's yeah. what you got to do. Yeah. So uh, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Overcomers. Uh, eager to be back with you again soon. God bless. Hey guys, Pastor Matt, hope that you enjoyed this episode of The Overcomers. You find your heart more encouraged in the Lord, uh, more dedicated to his kingdom. Uh, Just want to remind you, if you found this helpful in in this season of life, this is what I want to do. I want to encourage your heart. I want to lift up your eyes and and let you behold the beauty of Jesus. Uh, And so on top of The Overcomers podcast, uh, also started a website, just pastormattchandler.com. And on my website, there's all sorts of resources, but but you can also um, sign up for a monthly newsletter where I'm just trying to ring from the scriptures um, encouragement for your souls. And so you, there are two different newsletters. There's one for um, just everyday Christians seeking to be faithful where they are. And then there's a there, there's another newsletter uh, for pastors and church leaders. Uh, and so sign up for either one of those or both of those. Uh, but man, look forward to staying in contact with you. God bless you.